All right, everybody. Welcome back. Another day at work. Uh, man, things are good. We got the best job in the world. We get to talk to the most interesting people in the crypto sphere. Uh, and I get to do it with my best buddy, Mr. Aaron Pizza Mind Malone. Uh, looking a little extra chipper there. How you doing? Uh, it is a cold day here in Texas, so I don't have on my normal silk. I needed my flannels today. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've been wondering about as we see the dust finally kind of settle in the wake of all this, you know, CFI collapse and FTX going away, you know, okay, where do we move on to next? Where do we go and trade? What are the places that have liquidity that have been battle tested? Like, where do I go now? Yeah, I think a lot of people are asking that. Um, and I think a lot of people are also saying, where do I go that I can kind of control my own keys, right? Where right. I don't have to have some custodian, uh, whether it's FTX or whether it's, you know, whoever. Um, you know, people want to custody their own assets a lot of the time. And I'm pretty sure uh, DYDX uh, is on the cutting edge of this, a decentralized derivatives exchange. We're bringing on the, actually the founder and the CEO, Antonio Giuliano, who's joining us today uh, to do a deep freaking dive. Antonio, welcome to Crypto 101 Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So did I get that right, uh, that it is a non-custodial decentralized derivatives exchange? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we are DYDX. We are one of the leading decentralized exchanges out there. Currently over a billion dollars a day is traded on DYDX wow. on average every day. Um, so we're the number two biggest decentralized exchange behind Uniswap right now. And we are the leader and biggest decentralized exchange that are focused on trading financial derivatives, which are kind of a more advanced type of financial product. But they're exactly the thing that FTX specialized in. So I think it's especially topical these days um, to kind of want to trade those financial products on a place where you can self-custody, like you were mentioning. And DYDX is currently the leader in all of that. What's the blowback been for DYDX in the wake of all this stuff happening? Has this actually been good for you guys or have you guys felt some of the pain along with a lot of everyone else? So I think it's a mixed bag. On the one hand, there was a really big kind of drawdown, certainly in confidence and prices and trading volume across the board for the entire space. And of course, we were affected by that alongside everybody else. But on the same kind of flip side of the coin, there were pretty big headwinds for DeFi and especially decentralized derivatives exchanges that came out of this as well. We saw a pretty good influx in users, um, people kind of understanding the need for what we're building in a self-custody decentralized derivatives exchange. Um, and I think a lot of times people struggle to understand the value of DeFi um, because a lot of it has to do with kind of tail risks. Things like uh, risk when you're having somebody custody your private keys um, that are, where you don't have transparency into what's going on in the exchange. And you usually see, unfortunately, the, the results of that being pretty catastrophic, right? And we saw that in FTX. So I think when something like that happens in the market, it's a really good reminder to people of the importance of what we and a lot of other people in DeFi are building. Um, so I think it certainly is good from a narrative perspective for DeFi. And then we did see some good influx of users as well. Let's talk about why derivatives are so important to markets in the first place, just because there's such a limited amount of literally anything in the world. And the derivatives markets were born out of 
a necessity to make more liquidity and to put more money to work. So just at a very high level, can you tell our audience, you know, just what are derivatives and give some examples of how that functions in crypto? Yeah, absolutely. So the derivatives market broadly means trading synthetic assets and synthetic sounds like a fancy word, but all it means is you're trading a product um, that doesn't actually exist. You're basically just trading based on the price of some other asset, um, but all of the funds that you're trading with are settled in some underlying quote currency, for example, dollars or a stable coin. And you might ask, well, why do I want these things? Why don't I just trade actual cryptocurrency itself? And the main reason for that, especially in the crypto industry, is a concept called leverage. And what leverage is, is the ability to trade with more money than you actually have. So to kind of give a specific example of this, um, let's just take Coinbase and spot trading. Spot is just a fancy word for regular old buying and selling as an example. If you go to Coinbase with your $100, you buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, and that's it. You know, Maybe you make some money on it, maybe you lose some money on it, but you own $100 worth of Bitcoin. If you go to DYDX or a number of other exchanges which support derivatives, um, there are a number of these, both in DeFi and CeFi, the biggest ones in CeFi being Binance, um, used to be FTX, and now is a couple others uh, in the international market. But you can come with your $100 and you can buy multiples worth of that of a synthetic Bitcoin. So you could come to DYDX with your $100 of a stable coin and you could buy $1,000 worth of a Bitcoin synthetic, for example. And this you long. Up. Yeah, exactly. And that's the concept of leverage, which is just a multiple of how much you're buying. So if you bought $1,000 with your $100 deposit, you're 10x long. Exactly right. Um, and the reason you might want to do this is because you can kind of multiply the amount of money that you're trading with. You can multiply your potential profits. And of course, you also can potentially multiply your losses and your the risk that you're utilizing as well. But there's a lot of ways where you can really safely um, and kind of intelligently use leverage in a number of different trading strategies. It is something that's a more advanced financial product, so it's certainly not recommended for every crypto trader. And really, the target market of DYDX is not your friend that bought their first Bitcoin yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's more sophisticated traders that want access to a lot of these types of more advanced financial products. Um, but we are really, as I mentioned, at the forefront of bringing some of these more advanced financial products like leverage and like derivatives to DeFi. Yeah. And, and it's funny because like, you know, while there are a lot of people are, you know, trying to do um, decentralized derivatives and decentralized swaps and all that kind of stuff, um, few have gotten to the scale that you guys have a uh, billion dollars a day. I mean, this is not a small amount of money. Um, could you kind of give us a little bit of insight into kind of the, the, like you said, the characters that are trading on this platform? Um, it's not your everyday mom and pop uh, person. These are institutions that are looking for this leverage. Is that right? So there's kind of two main classes of target users that we're going after that are using the exchange. And the first is institutions and specifically what this looks like is for the most part, a lot of crypto native hedge funds that are trading. One of the things that we have really intentionally focused on at DYDX is trying to be kind of the bridge for a lot of these 
crypto native institutions to trading in DeFi for the first time. We've tried pretty hard to make a product that intentionally feels like a centralized exchange, but has a lot of the advantages of DeFi. Um, and fast forward to now, pretty much all of the top uh, crypto market makers and a lot of the other crypto native institutions are trading on DYDX. And even in kind of the maturation over the past couple of years of the crypto markets, we've seen a lot of more traditional kind of Wall Street funds taking a pretty big bet on crypto. And they make up a pretty big portion of the crypto market volume and that on DYDX as well. So that's certainly one class of users. Another really important class of users is what I would kind of title prosumer users. So again, not your totally naive retail investors, um, but individuals for the most part located overseas in international markets that want access to these more advanced financial tools. And I think that market has been expanding quite a lot recently. I think the crypto markets themselves have literally expanded the prosumer trading market by a ton. We've seen it happen in traditional finance as well with things like Robinhood. But that's a pretty significant portion of the crypto trading volume, actually most of it for what it's worth. Um, and I think the thing to realize about the derivatives markets for most people, because there are fewer people trading derivatives, but the bulk of the trading volume that occurs in crypto today happens in derivatives. About two thirds of the trading volume in the entire crypto market is derivatives and less than one third is spot trading volume, roughly. Um, so is that a similar ratio people. to the traditional world, would you say? Um, it's relatively similar. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, fast forward to now, there are fewer people trading derivatives, but it's like I said, the kind of bulk of the trading volume because the people that are trading are more advanced and they're pushing a lot of volume. Aside from just the benefits of being able to custody your own funds, what are some of the other pros of using a decentralized derivatives exchange versus a centralized one? And what are the risks, if any? So I think some of the biggest advantages come down to transparency. Um, of course, you can custody your own funds, and I think that is a huge advantage. But I think we see the kind of need and importance of transparency uh, just really on point in what happened with FTX, right? Yeah. And that was just a major failure of transparency. Like, we didn't know what FTX was doing with customer funds. And if you look at something like DeFi you know exactly what's going on. I could audit DYDX right now um, in 30 seconds by going to Etherscan and just looking exactly what funds the DYDX smart contract is holding, where they are, how they can be used. So I think DeFi represents just a fundamental 10x improvement in transparency, and that is something that is really important. I think transparency also allows the exchange to bootstrap a huge amount of trust because for the first time, we're not sitting here saying, hey, trust us, trust me, trust Antonio. He's not going to steal your funds. He's a stand-up guy, right? No, none of that. It's just trust the code and trust the smart contracts. And that's something that's fundamentally new. So I think that's a huge advantage as well. It, there's all these advantages that seem like that they would protect the American consumer. Um, but the prosumer market that you're referring to is largely international and overseas. In fact, uh, it's entirely. And so when does that market expand into the U.S. and what's the holdup? I mean, I think the biggest holdup, to be honest, is regulation. Right. And this is not really a newsflash to anybody. Um, right. That is there what specific is regulations? Tough. 
Yeah, it's it, that's the biggest holdup. Um, I mean, I think we are trying to do our best in terms of policy outreach and in terms of really education on what DeFi is um, to people in government, to policymakers and regulators, and how it can be, like I mentioned, a 10x improvement in exactly the areas a lot of these regulators do care about. Yeah. Um, like regulators from first principles really care about the same things that we care about. They care about orderly markets. They care about protecting consumer funds. And we've seen the importance of that in crypto. Um, but I think the kind of beauty of DeFi is that we can accomplish a lot of these objectives with code rather than humans. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's a really new concept, right? And the laws that were written decades ago didn't even conceive of this possibility. Um, so I think that's the biggest disconnect is, is from a regulatory perspective, um, but that's something we're working to tackle over time. We've got to strike the- while the iron's hot because uh, yeah. they're, you know, Maxine Waters yeah. is like, you know, live tweeting at SPF. So, you is know, now still the spotlight is on. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFI video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the UFI video lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the UFI video lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search UFI video lock. That's E-U-F-Y video lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y video lock. Ufee video lock. Get complete control over your front door. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, she's still but You know, one of the concerns, you know, is you know, if you're playing by the rules or, you know, lack of clarity of the rules that, you know, you're going to have an unfair disadvantage versus people that are set up internationally that have rules or specifically no rules to play by at all. Um, yet here you are basically the industry leader in your niche anyway, despite all that, what are some of the keys to your success that you would point that says, you know, this is why we're the leader in the industry, despite all these things that um, we could use as excuses to keep us down, but they haven't. I think in any new market, there are different stages of the market, right? And if we consider DeFi as a really new market, I think it's still in a really early stage. And in any early stage market, it's just really hard to build from an engineering and product perspective. There are tons of engineering challenges which haven't been worked out yet. There's nobody to look at and be like, oh man, like if we were just like this company and we copy them, we could be and we out execute them, we could be successful. If you look at something like a DYDX or a Uniswap or a Compound, these are all fundamentally new things, right? And it's hard to come up with new things. So I think if you're asking the question, why have we been really successful so far? It's that we really oriented the company around just creating an excellent engineering and product team that has the capacity to solve a lot of these problems from first principles. There's a lot of them, right? Like, how do you build a decentralized perpetual contract, which is the type of derivative that we offer in a decentralized way? How do you decentralize an order book in a matching engine? How do you move beyond you know, $10 plus gas fees on every trade and use a more scalable blockchain solution? Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and then, of course, we also do put a good amount of effort into understanding and working, like I mentioned, with regula- regulators, policymakers, and, and the law itself. Um, and we've been fortunate to just hire a really high caliber of team overall. Um, and I think especially in early markets, that's really what it takes to to win. Now, on the product side, just from a practical standpoint, um, for somebody who's listening, um, you know, they want to check out the platform. Is it something that's, you know, kind of exactly like Uniswap where you have all you need is kind of your um, MetaMask or your ledger and the interface? Or do you need to create an account on DYDX, do all this uh, KYC, uh, have, you know, any, any sort of other additional step that you guys require? No, it's exactly the first thing that you mentioned. You can just come to DYDX, like most decentralized exchanges, with your cryptocurrency wallet, um, connect your wallet, and that's basically it. There's one additional step compared to a Uniswap, which is you have to deposit your funds to the exchange, but that's just one more transaction that you have to send. And that's kind of required because we're trading derivatives contracts, so we have to like keep collateral on the platform, whereas a Uniswap, you can just trade directly out of your wallet. But it's a really easy onboarding process. And so does that sort of negate the um, non-custodial aspect of it? Because now who's the custodian of the funds that you deposit? So it's a good question. Um, It does not at all negate it because one of the really cool kind of concepts that Ethereum invented is that smart contracts can quite literally own and hold funds on users' Mm. behalf. So that's exactly what we do on DYDX. That deposit step that I referenced is literally just you calling a function on our smart contract 
that pulls your funds out of your wallet and into the smart contract. But they're still your funds, like the smart contract has a withdrawal function, for example, and only you and your private key can withdraw the funds. So it's every bit as non-custodial as holding them in your own wallet. Nice. That's awesome. We get a lot of questions about trading bots. Um, There's all kinds of retail trading bots out there. What's your opinion on just trading with bots in general for the average consumer? Are these things any good or is it a situation like where your experience may vary? I think it's more a situation where your experience may vary. I I certainly do think they are good and valuable. And a lot of the trading activity that happens on DYDX does happen through bots. Um, Mm. I think it's just something where you need to do a good amount of your own research to make sure what you're using is actually going to turn a profit with a a decent amount of risk. So I I think there are a lot of these that are out there, um, kind of products that make it easier for end retail users and maybe people who aren't expert coders to write or integrate with trading bots. Um, But I think that's something that's still maturing. Um, But there are a number of them that integrate with DYDX, I believe, as well. When you kind of think about, um, you know, DYDX's future, um, like what, what are your milestones that you're really hoping to hit? Within, you know, right now we're in a bear market and, you know, I'd, l- I'd love to hear from a CEO and founder's perspective as well. Like, how is it navigating this bear market? But like, what's the, uh, what, what are some of the key milestones as well, cu- kind of that you're hoping to achieve within the next 18 months, I guess, or so? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me start with just kind of the huge long-term vision for DYDX, totally. because I think that informs a lot of the shorter term goals as well. Really, our goal at DYDX is for the protocol to become one of the biggest exchanges in crypto, not just one of the biggest exchanges in DeFi. We've basically already done that. But I think we're really at the point where we need to push forward kind of the market share, the product experience and everything else that's required to make DeFi the main way that people trade crypto um, and make it even bigger than centralized exchanges. I think it's really important to kind of qualify that goal with a time horizon as well, because it's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen the year after that. I usually tell people, I think it'll probably take at least five to 10 years for DeFi to really hit that inflection point where it does become bigger in terms of crypto trading volume than CeFi. Um, And that's a long time, five to 10 years, right? Um, But I do really believe in a lot of the fundamental advantages that DeFi has over CeFi. Um, that we've talked about a lot of them in terms of transparency, in terms of ease of use, in terms of um, access, but I think it'll take time. So kind of zooming in in terms of where we're at right now and what we want to do in the next 12 to 18 months or so, the biggest thing that we're working on right now is a new version of DYDX called DYDX v4. And the major improvement in DYDX v4 is full decentralization. So like a lot of other projects out there, we've kind of pursued a path of, quote, progressive decentralization. And what that means for DYDX right now is on the current version of DYDX, there are some aspects of DYDX that are centralized and some that are decentralized. The decentralized parts are, of course, the smart contracts, like we've talked about, that holds all the user funds um, and all of the transparency that comes along with that. But the main component that's still centralized right now is the order book and the matching engine. Mm -hmm. And kind of taking a step back and talking about, well, what is an order book and what is a matching engine? An order book is kind of the main way that exchanges work, where you can basically go to the order book and you can put in offers to buy or sell a given asset. So I could put in an offer to buy 
one Bitcoin at $10,000 and, and that would sit on the order book alongside everybody else's orders. The matching engine is a component of an exchange which matches these orders together. Um, so normally you place an order and it just sits on the order book, but the second and uh, two or more orders cross where like, for example, I want to buy one Bitcoin for $10,000 and you want to sell one Bitcoin for $10,000, we should trade with each other and we should be matched, right? So that's what the matching component does. And the reason that these are centralized on DYDX right now is because order books and matching engines require very high performance. Um, for example, right now on DYDX, our order book processes about a thousand orders placed and canceled per second. And a lot of bigger exchanges process orders of magnitudes more than that. So it's tough to decentralize this. And this is sort of what I was getting at in my previous answer, where a lot of these problems are just really hard from a technical perspective. How do you build an order book and a matching engine that can process a thousand trades per second, um, or at least order places and cancels per second with very low gas fees, low latency, and a good product experience? That's what we're solving in DYDX v4. And the solution to this that uh, we're building right now is we're building our own blockchain. So we're building our own Cosmos-based blockchain. Mm -hmm. Cosmos is a technology that makes it relatively easier to build your own blockchain, like with your own set of validators, which are sort of akin to miners in a proof-of-stake setting. Um, but that's what we're building right now. Um, and mm -hmm. we think this will make just a much better product experience while allowing DYDX to be fully decentralized, which really aligns with our values. And I think is critical that like, that's sort of what we're entirely building for the long term, right? I love that's it. Beautiful. And does the vision stop with uh, decentralized derivatives for Bitcoin and Ethereum, or does the vision kind of extend towards tokenized securities or NFTs, you know, with version maybe seven or eight. I know we're at four right now, so we're looking ahead, but. Yeah. So right now, obviously we do offer uh, derivative contracts on Bitcoin and Ethereum and a bunch of other cryptocurrencies as well. Um, like most of the assets that you can trade on the spot market, you can trade on the derivatives market as well. If you're looking farther into the future, I think it's a little bit unknown in terms of what assets will become popular. Um, a lot of people have tried to trade more real world assets in crypto, things like securities or like tokenized gold or stuff like that. Um, and it hasn't really taken off in a big way yet. Right. And I think that's been interesting. Like a lot of people have been excited about that for a long time. Um, and I'm still excited about it for the long term. But um, I have a little bit of skepticism about when exactly that's going to happen. Kind of my theory on it is there will likely be some sort of inflection point that happens eventually when enough people are holding cryptocurrency or holding you know, collateral assets like stable coins and the product experience on crypto is good enough such that it makes more sense to trade a lot of these assets in crypto than it does in traditional finance. Again, I think that's probably something that's going to come a little bit farther down the line. But the way we think about a lot of these product offerings at DYDX is that we don't necessarily have to be the first to offer any of these new products, but we need to do them relatively earlier. Um, like if so, so I think that basically looks like taking a look at the market, seeing what's working for other players, a lot of times centralized exchanges, and copying that uh, into DeFi. Um, and I think that's been a good strategy for us so far. Um, so... 
you know, maybe that's a, a little bit of a cop-out answer. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to become popular to trading crypto, but really our goal is to be able to offer to our customers whatever they want to trade. For the most part so far, that's just been trading crypto assets themselves. But I think if we're zooming way out and looking, what does the future look like long term? I do think that's trading a lot of real world assets in crypto and will absolutely be there if and when that happens. Fantastic. And we will certainly be here uh, watching and using it as much as we can ourselves. And, um, you know, just in terms of security, like you've got a billion dollars going through this platform during a bear market. Like who knows what the sizes are actually going to be when uh, times are good again. What's your approach in securing all these different transactions and moving pieces and parts? So I think one of the sort of advantages, but I would call it more a trade-off of DeFi, is that they can be, emphasis on can, more secure than centralized platforms. Um, I actually have a good amount of experience with this. I used to work at Coinbase, and one of the things I worked on at Coinbase was their service that ran their hot wallet, basically. Hot wallet, for those who aren't familiar, is kind of the, um, you know, most, uh, like the place where the exchange stores a lot of the user funds um, that they're signing a lot of transactions with. So from my experience at Coinbase, you know, there really is a big cost to security in a centralized way, even if you do a good job on it. If you do a bad job on it, of course, you just get hacked and that's happened to a lot of exchanges. But if you do a good job on it, like a Coinbase or Binance or somebody else like that, um, it still imposes a pretty big cost to your organization overall. One of the advantages of DeFi is that the security can really be kind of reduced down to the open source code of the smart contracts themselves. And this is, I think, will be really good for the space long term. It has been so far sort of a double-edged sword where we've seen a lot of these DeFi protocols um, getting hacked, having security vulnerabilities. Um, but I think at DYDX, we really take a really strict um, just approach to security. Um, we have been putting a lot of effort into writing unit tests, into doing internal and external security audits, um, into having really strict standards around code reviews, um, and just generally adhering to really great software engineering practices. Um, but I think people don't put quite enough stock into who exactly is developing, auditing, both internally and externally, a lot of the code that goes into these DeFi protocols. Um, but I think that's a really imp important part of what we're doing as well. And as you alluded to, we have a really good track record of securing user funds through our smart contracts for a long time now. And I think that's kind of the best stamp of approval you can look for, like what is the total value locked in the smart contract? times like how long has this smart contract been operating without any issues and kind of what's the history of the team behind that. I love that. That's a, that's a great way to kind of look at um, the safety kind of through the lens of the Lindy effect kind of, um, you know, the longer it's been in motion and the longer it's going to survive. So yeah, I like that. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I'm curious just about, you know, 
again, just to pick your brain, what else kind of excites you like outside of really what you're directly working on? I'm sure you uh, spend, you know, a hundred percent of your time doing that, but if you get to really look outside of DYDX, is there another crypto protocol, another team that's doing something that you're just like, holy shit, like this is really cool. So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in crypto, but also at the same time, I don't think there are that many verticals which have found product market fit in crypto so far. Nothing um, like a billion dollars really, a day. <laughs> yeah, um, like there's certainly trading and exchanges and finance more broadly, both centralized and decentralized. There's NFTs, which at least in my opinion, have found pretty strong product market fit, and I'm really excited about them. Um, and then there's really just data providers. Um, so things like Dune Analytics or just a lot of like Etherscan and the ways that you get a lot of data off the blockchain. I think like that's not quite as much of an end user product, but I think that's certainly found product market fit as well. And then just the kind of layer one or layer two or whatever blockchain infrastructure itself. Um, but I don't think there have been that many end user products which have really found strong product market fit besides a lot of the finance based ones um, and NFTs. I think people that's not to say what everybody else is doing is is totally worthless or I'm not excited about it. Like I think some people are excited about like blockchain gaming, for example, um, that one, I think the jury's still out on, um, still trying to wrap my head around it at a high level. But I know a lot of really smart people are excited about it. Um, I think there are, yeah, th those are probably the major ones I would say. What was it that made you want to build an app chain on Cosmos as opposed to a polka dot or layer zero or any of these other platforms that you could have chosen to build on? Yeah, absolutely. So this is why I tried to kind of introduce the problem that we were trying to solve in terms of decentralizing the order book and the matching engine. And I think kind of understanding that problem that we were trying to solve will be really informative in terms of understanding why we chose the solution that we chose. Just to reiterate, the biggest challenge that we're trying to overcome is decentralizing our order book and the order matching engine of the protocol. This is hard because order books are really high throughput. They require at least a thousand operations per second, if not more. And not only do they require that, but they require it with really low gas fees as well. Because the way an exchange works, the bulk of the operations come from traders and trading bots, basically, that are placing and canceling orders all the time. And if you're imposing a really high cost on that, it's really going to degrade the amount of liquidity on the platform and the overall product experience. So we needed to solve this um, and we needed roughly a thousand operations per second with low gas fees. So we took a look around and we asked ourselves, okay, uh, we want to fully decentralize this. We want to put it all on chain. Which blockchain can support a thousand operations per second with low or ideally no gas fees? And the answer we came back with was none of them. Um, <laughs> and for maybe just backing up a little bit more and kind of for context, so just to make you feel like we understand what we're talking about. We're actually currently built on a layer two right now. So we're by far the biggest application on an Ethereum based layer two. We're built our current product in partnership with Starkware. We built that almost two years ago now. Um, and that's what our current product is, is running on. So our current mm -hmm. product actually doesn't have gas fees or anything like that for trading, has really low latency, really high scalability. Um, but even that didn't offer kind of the level of scalability in this thousand operations per second that we needed. 
Um, so we went back to the drawing board and we were like, okay, well, no, none of these blockchains can support what we want to build. Um, what are we going to do now? And kind of the answer that we came up with, I think is pretty interesting and pretty novel in that we're building a decentralized but off-chain order book and matching engine into the blockchain itself. So that basically means that the node providers um, that are you know, kind of securing and doing all the proof of stake on our blockchain itself will also, in a very similar way to how regular blockchain validators uh, support a mempool, which is basically a place where transactions get stored before they get put on the blockchain, the order book will basically be stored in, the mem in kind of a specialized mempool for our blockchain that we're building. And the reason that we can do that is because we're building our own chain and what we're literally coding is the software that the validators will run. So we have access to a lot more of the stack than we would if we were just building a smart contract or That's something awesome. like that. So it's like a decentralized cloud run on the validator nodes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the cool part about this is it's not even that mempool that I was talking about is not even on the blockchain yet. And one of the other kind of interesting inputs that I think is useful to understand as to why we made the decision that we made is that, like I mentioned, the major throughput uh, bottleneck is the order book, but only about 1% or so of the orders on any exchange actually get matched and actually need to go on chain. So we have like a thousand orders per second that we need to process through the order book that only happens off chain on the mempool basically. Um, and that's way more scalable because you don't have to come to consensus on it. And then for the matches that actually happen, which is like 1%, so like 10 or second or so, um, that goes on chain. And, you know, the, the Cosmos-based blockchain that we're building can easily support that. So I think that's kind of why I wanted to start in my explanation more from first principles in terms of what we're actually building. Um, and it's really not like the answer is not so much that I think building your own blockchain is objectively better than, you know, building on a layer two or building on some scalable layer one. We really try to keep an open mind about the technology that we build on with DYDX and really just focus on the end user product. I think that's something that's kind of a mindset and mentality that I think is pretty rare in a lot of the core teams that are building yeah. in crypto right now, where a lot of times they think of blockchains more like distribution than technologies, which I think is kind of the wrong way to think about it. Like a lot of times you think like, oh, if Uniswap, not to pick on them, but just as an example, like launched on uh, like Arbitrum, they could get access to like this class of users. I think that is somewhat reasonable, but that's like really less so the way that we think about it. We more think about it like, okay, there's going to be one deployment of DYDX. What's the best technology that we can build on um, to make the best possible product experience for our users? And this is what we came up with. I love it, man. I'm excited for V4. Um, we're going to be hopefully being able to bring you back uh, onto the podcast to tell us about how the rollout went and, and what we can continue to keep uh, keep tabs on with DYDX. But uh, for now, we've, we've got a final closing question, and, and this is a layup, this is total softball, but uh, it's really for uh, a lot of our listeners who this might be the first time they've ever heard about uh, crypto and they just decided, oh, Crypto 101 and they found you. So what would you tell somebody who's just now entering into the crypto space? Um, they're about to buy their first Bitcoin. 
Well, first of all, congratulations. You've decided to enter the crypto space after the collapse of FTX, um, which I think maybe you'll get an NFT for that or something someday. Um, but seriously, I am really excited about what we're building at DYDX and more broadly, a lot of the stuff that's going on in crypto in general. I think crypto has a ton of promise, right? We can really build this financial system that's powered by code and not humans. Mm. And just once you wrap your head around that fundamental paradigm shift, just even that it's possible to do that, not that we've done that yet, um, that it's possible to do that. I think that's something to be excited about. I think a lot of people get disillusioned in crypto because they can't wrap their head around the timing of crypto. You know, I think a lot of people understand the promise. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, like Vitalik and everybody else has been out here saying there's this fundamentally new technology, but like, come on, guys, what have we actually built? Sure, there's things like DYDX and Uniswap that have some real volume. A billion dollars a day is is something for sure, um, but that are an overall small part of the crypto market. And even if we zoom out farther, a super small part of the overall finance market. But if we really zoom out and think about well, what's fundamentally newly possible with this technology on a really long time horizon, like 10 years, 10, 20 years plus, I think there's a huge amount of reason to be optimistic about that. Um, we're really at the forefront of building towards that at DYDX. Um, and I think there's a lot to be excited about. Man, Antonio, uh, what, a, what a positive note to end things on. And I couldn't agree more. Um, zoom out zoom out don't don't stay too zoomed into the price charts and looking at one minute candles that's how you're going to drive yourself crazy uh <laughs> thank you so much for joining us um and we're excited to to stay uh informed thanks so much for having me Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.